we continue our journey through 1 Peter in the third verse of the first chapter. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Let me remind you again of the context of this precious epistle. Peter is seeking to encourage these first century suffering saints by offering them hope. Hope is a bedrock guarantee of a future event rooted in a past experience. He's seeking to offer them hope by pointing them to the one who suffered for them and all that his suffering has made available to them, namely salvation here and heaven hereafter. Verse 3 begins with the exhortation, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The word blessed appears frequently in the New Testament. In fact, when I say frequently, the word appears 44 times in the New Testament. We see it repeated over and over in the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. When Jesus stood and gave that incredible sermon, it began with a series of statements. And each statement begins with the word blessed. We find the account in Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, the incredible Sermon on the Mount, that begins with what we refer to as the Beatitudes. Not the do attitudes, but the Beatitudes. Because Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount focuses not on what we do, but on who we are. Not on doing, but on being. And the Sermon on the Mount begins in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 tells us, setting up the event. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, and then here it comes, listen for the word blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Blessed, 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 blessed. But when Jesus uses that word in the Sermon on the Mount... The Greek word that he uses is the word makarius, and it literally means fulfilled, filled full, rewarded or rewarding is. And the context makes sense. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Rewarded, rewarding is the life of the poor in spirit. Why? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Blessed, rewarding, rewarded, filled full are those who mourn. What are they filled with? For they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed, rewarded, rewarding, filled full are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. What are they filled with? For they shall be satisfied. Forty-four times in the New Testament, that word makarius is used, and it means fulfilled, filled full, rewarded, or rewarding is the life of. However, that is not the word for blessed used by Peter in verse 3 of chapter 1. In fact, we are not the recipients of the blessing Peter mentions at all. Look at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is God who is the recipient of the blessing. And Peter uses the word eulogetos. It is a compound Greek word. Logos is the Greek verb for to speak. You is the prefix that means well. So eulogetos means to speak well of. It is where we get our English equivalent eulogy. When someone is tasked with giving a eulogy at a funeral service or a memorial service, they speak well of the individual. And so Peter is saying, bless, we are to speak well of the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. But here's my question. How could they speak well of God when he was letting all of this horror happen to them? How can we speak well of God when our world falls apart? When, when we are the victims of injustice, when our character is being assassinated unjustly, when cancer, crisis, or conflict shatter our souls, how can we speak well of God? What is Peter trying to communicate? Go back to the theme. Peter is seeking to encourage these suffering saints by offering them hope, by pointing to the one who suffered for them and all that his suffering has made available to them. Namely, salvation here, heaven hereafter. So, where does comfort come from? Where does encouragement come from? Where does hope come from? From God's Son, who was sent by God the Father to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. Make two things available to us. Salvation here and heaven hereafter. Now, in the midst of whatever we are going through, can't we speak well of a God who has done that for us? You see, God has primarily revealed himself through Jesus Christ. And it is difficult for us to fully comprehend God apart from Jesus. Now, let me show you what I mean. The Bible tells us that God is 
love. The attribute of God is love. God is love. It is stated very clearly and very definitively. In fact, in 1 John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4, John makes the statement, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. But how do we know that God is love? We look at verse 9. By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. How do we know God is love? Because he sent Jesus the son. John 3:16, a passage that many of us are familiar with. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Right? For God so incredibly loved that he incredibly gave an incredible gift that whosoever receives with incredible simplicity God's incredible gift will be incredibly saved. Isn't that an incredible message of hope to an incredibly hopeless generation? Sure it is. Or Romans chapter 5 verse 8 which says, But God demonstrates his own love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So how do we know God is love? Because he sent Jesus as evidence or as a demonstration of that love. The Bible tells us that God is light. Again, in 1 John, the first epistle of John, chapter 1, John writes, This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. There is the proclamation, God is light. But where do we find the demonstration or the evidence that God is light? We find it in one of my very favorite passages in all of the Bible. The Gospel of John, chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him nothing came into being that is coming to be. In Him was life. And the light was, here it is, the power word, circle it if you've got your Bible in front of you, the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light. There's our power word, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came into his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Who is the light 
that John references there in the first chapter of his great gospel. Well, if there's any confusion at all, Jesus clears it up himself when he makes the statement in John chapter 8, verse 12. I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. How do we know God is light? Because he has sent Jesus the Son. So what we know about God, we experience, comprehend, or understand through Jesus the Son. And it is very difficult for us to comprehend God apart from Jesus the Son. Back to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice the trifold description of the Son. Peter says he is Lord. It is the Greek word kurios. It means master, to rule over. He is Jesus, Jesus, meaning salvation. He is Christ, Christos, meaning the anointed one. That is who Jesus is. But to whom is Jesus those things? Look again at that phrase we've been considering in this session. Blessed be the God and Father of, look at the personal pronoun, our Lord Jesus Christ. When you repent of your sin, place your faith in Jesus and make him Lord of your life. When you are saved, heaven bound, rather fight than switch. Then Jesus becomes Yesu. Jesus is not salvation. Look at what Peter says. He is our salvation. He is not simply the anointed one. He is our anointed one. And as a result, he must become our kurios, master, sovereign, ruler over our lives. Next session, we will focus more on what we have because of what Jesus has done. But in the meantime, let us daily bless, speak well of God the Father, because he has sent Jesus the Son to provide for us salvation here and heaven hereafter. And that is why we can say with confidence, we need not fear what our future holds, because we know the one who holds our future in his hands. See you next session. Thank you for joining us in this session from 1 Peter. As you have been following us through this session, you have learned that Peter is seeking to encourage saints in the midst of their suffering by pointing them to the one who suffered for them and all that his suffering has made available to them. So 1 Peter is a letter of encouragement, and we hope this session has been an encouragement to you. If it has encouraged you, please let us know that. Knowing that we've encouraged you encourages us. 
If you are following us on YouTube, you can simply post a comment, or you can reach us at wordpowermm at gmx.com. We would love to hear from you. We'd love to know how we can minister to you further. So please reach out to us. Hopefully, we'll see you next session. God bless.